to Life Lessons. We're Jen and Sherry. I'm Jen Stevens, a retired teacher of 28 years and the author of the New York Times bestseller, Fast Feast Repeat. And I'm Sherry Bullock. I've worked in healthcare for over 26 years, and I've been an active volunteer for many organizations. We're both wives and moms, and let's face it, we're the glue that holds it all together in our homes. In our careers, we have always been problem solvers who help others. And that's what we'll be doing here, answering questions you didn't know you had, one smart solution at a time. We're always looking for ways to make our lives easier, help us be more productive, or improve our health and wellness. So, let's live our best lives, one day at a time, and let's have some fun along the way. Hi, everybody. We are so glad you're here today. Welcome to this week's episode of the Life Lessons Podcast. How are you doing today, Sherry? I'm doing great. Anything new going on with you? I went to my very first gender reveal party last night. Oh, that's fun. I'm so behind the times, I think. I've never been to one. Well, Eric's got several nieces and nephews have had babies in the last years, but they always do them on the weekends and I work weekends. So, but they had one on a Tuesday night and I got so excited. I was like, yes, I'm off. I can go. And it was so much fun because neither parent knew, only the sister knew. Oh, that's fun. Very so fun. the sister planned the whole thing and had it all set up, and uh, they're having a little girl. Oh, well, so that's exciting. It was fun. <laughs> well, How I love you? that. I'm doing doing great. <sighs> Just, I can't believe that we're here and fall is coming, and it's about to be the most beautiful time of the year at the beach. And so I read an article today that said that everybody goes home next week. <laughs> Well, school starts like early next week. Yes, yeah, school starts here start on yeah. August, August 15th. I, I didn't know this about South Carolina. I haven't lived in South Carolina since 1998 when we moved when Cal was a baby. But there's actually a state law that school cannot begin in South Carolina until the third Monday of August. Oh, I love I didn't that. Know that. Third you know, Monday. Avery went back last week. Well, so did all the, the people in Columbia County where I taught in Georgia. They're all back. The teachers had to go back July 28th. Oh my but gosh, it's, it's early. I know. So, but all the, we're recording this on the 10th of August. So Monday is when all the South Carolina kids can go back to school. And so then apparently, Tourist everybody, over. well, 50% of them don't come. <laughs> so we, this is like the last big week. So I'm really looking forward to next week the beach being calmer, restaurants are right. going to be calmer, everything's going to be calmer. Less traffic. Less traffic. Yeah. Yes. I'm like super excited because fall at the beach, I mean, I, I know it's still far away from like fall weather, but it's such a beautiful time to be here. Yeah. The ocean well, is warm and yeah. Eric said to me this morning, do you know what the weather's going to be for the next week? And I don't check the weather, y'all, at all. <laughs> I mean, unless I'm going camping or I'm taking my kayak out on the water, I don't care what the weather's going to do because I can't control it. So, I mean, who cares, right? If it rains, it rains. My husband's like, do you know? And I'm like, no, I don't know. Uh, You know me. Well, he's like, it's going to be in the high in the 80s for the next week. And I was like. Cooler. Yes, because it's been Mm -hmm. in the 90s up to 100. And he is so excited. He hates the heat. So, But you have fixed your air conditioner problem. Yes. Yes, that's so exciting. I have fixed my air conditioner problem. So your house is cool. Cool in my house. Yes, it actually cycles on and off like an air conditioner should. So (laughs) 
That's amazing. So everybody, don't take no for an answer. If your air conditioner isn't working right, there's something wrong. Yeah. I took no for an answer for over a year, and there was really something wrong with it. So, and it was an easy, quick fix. I mean, awesome. I spent 500 bucks, but... I mean, that's going to... You're going to save not that just on your blowing, power bill. Exactly. In like the first year. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So... Awesome. Well, let's move into our good news segment for the week. And today's share comes from Callie. Last week in Hayes, Kansas, the home of Fort Hayes State University, the local Walmart store had a small emergency. So mounted to the front of the store at the roof line is a flagpole that flies the American flag. After high winds one day, one of the ropes on the flagpole broke. Walmart was unable to find anybody with a bucket truck to help repair their flagpole. Brian, a journeyman lineman with Midwest Energy, who is also a U.S. Army veteran, volunteered to go over with his company's bucket truck and fix their flagpole rope so that they could get their flag up and flying again. Walmart and Midwest Energy want to send out a thank you to Brian for doing this for his community. Awesome. So that's just great. Little things like that. People are awesome. So listeners, we need your stories. Send your good news story to connect at lifelessonscommunity.com. We want to hear about companies that have given you exceptional customer service. Give a shout out to a special someone in your life. Tell us an amazing story or share anything that might be inspirational to fellow listeners. We look forward to hearing from you and sharing your good news in an upcoming episode. All right, before we get to the life lesson of the week, we want to take a minute to tell you about one of the companies that makes it possible for us to bring you the podcast. And today, again, I want to mention all of the amazing companies that I have featured at jenstevens.com slash cleanish. You know, I've told you before that when I wrote cleanish, I realized that I was not as cleanish as I thought I was in so many ways. I thought I was doing a good job and I really wasn't. The subtitle of cleanish is eat mostly clean, live mainly clean, and unlock your body's natural ability to self-clean. And thanks to intermittent fasting, I had the self-cleaning part down, but I needed improvement in the other areas. So when it comes to eating mostly clean, I rely on meals from Green Chef, window openers from Daily Harvest, and clean wines from Dry Farm Wines. I got a shipment of those yesterday, Sherry. It was very exciting. Yes. I restocked on my whites. I also needed to make the most changes in the products I was using on my body and the products I used to clean my house. I had been really greenwashed and I was using some things I thought were good that were not really so good. So I switched to Beauty Counter for my makeup, my skincare, my shampoo, and my conditioner, and to Branch Basics for my household cleaning needs. So if you haven't yet read Cleanish, it's never too late. You can make small but positive changes that add up to make a big difference in your overall chemical load. And if you did read Cleanish when it came out and you're like, oh my Lord, this is too overwhelming, I want you to go back to it and remember that little changes do add up. You don't have to do everything, but doing something does matter. If all you do is, you know, Sherry, you shared something today about pots and pans, the forever chemicals in the pots and pans. You shared that in the Delight on Tonight community that, what is it leading to liver cancer? Yes. Yeah, there's a definitive link. Like, I think it's the first time they've ever, like, come right out and said, this causes liver cancer. And, you know, I was cooking on Teflon pots and pans because I was used to those and I liked the way the eggs came out, right? But I stopped and I I found some pots and pans that are ceramic that don't have those issues. So that's an easy change to make. 
And instead of, you know, worrying, you know, you can't fix everything, but you can take a few small steps. So go to jenstevens.com slash cleanish for links to purchase cleanish, as well as links with special offers to all my favorite clean companies, such as Green Chef, Daily Harvest, Dry Farm Wines, Beauty Counter, and Branch Basics. And now it's time for our life lesson of the week. This week, we are joined by Kim Tubbs, a member of the Life Lessons VIP community, a psychiatric nurse practitioner, and author of the book, Lavi's Rainy Day. She specializes in treating children, adolescents, and adults with a variety of issues, including anxiety, depression, bipolar disorder, mood disorders, behavioral issues, trauma histories, autism spectrum disorders, and ADHD in a holistic manner to address both biological and thought issues to get to the root of her patient's problems. And she recently released her first book in what she hopes to become a series of books to help teach children emotional intelligence skills. So welcome, Kim. Thank you for being with us today. Thank you. And I love, I love the book, Lavi's Rainy Day. I got a copy. I think you, I think you said in the Delayed on Denied community that it was about to come out and that it was available for pre-order. Is that what happened? You mentioned it, maybe? I think I may have mentioned it literally like the day it came out. Maybe. Well, I went ahead and ordered it. <laughs> no, you did order it before because I remember I did. you I pre-ordered saying, it. Yes, it did. Yeah, I pre-ordered it. And then it just, I forgot I had ordered it and then it showed up <laughs> right when we were moving. And I had a big collection of children's books. I didn't bring the, any of them with me when we moved. But I have a niece that's a teacher and she teaches in a, a public Montessori school in Charleston. And I gave it to her to use in her classroom with her kids. And I thought it was such a great book. So well, thank you. I read it through my teacher eyes and said, this needs to go to a teacher. <laughs> <laughs> so do you know what's funny is, so you joined us on the Live Lessons little video chat last month. And I had talked to you before in the DDD community about coming on the Life Lessons podcast. But... I didn't realize you were the same person. Oh. You know, we guys meet a lot of people, right? We do meet a lot of people. Jen wasn't at that Life Lessons video chat that last month. And so when we got done, I was like, hey, I said, there was this girl that joined us. And I'm like, she was really great. And this is what she does. And I think we need to try to get her on the podcast. And Jen said, I think she's already booked on the podcast. (laughs) I'm like, (laughs) just when I put it all together and realized... (laughs) you were. Yeah. I was like, oh, yes. Yes, she is on the podcast. So anyway, apparently each time I spoke to you, I was like, she needs to be on the podcast. There you go. So before we get into your background and into your story, what is the lesson you hope to share with our listeners today? So I think the lesson that I hope that people will take away from today's program is that Our children need our help. They don't come into this world with all of the skills. We know we have to teach them to walk and talk and sit and go to school and all these things, but I think sometimes we forget that they don't know how to emotionally regulate without our help. And that was pretty much why I made the the Lavi books was in order to give tools to parents and teachers and, you know, aunts and uncles and babysitters and all these people to be able to start helping our little people learn about their emotions and what to do with them. That's huge what you just said, that they they don't know how to emotionally regulate. And, you know, I'm thinking back to my experiences as a mom when Will was getting kicked out of daycares because he couldn't emotionally regulate. And, you know, the children in the classroom that were struggling so much and they would all get, you know, punished for not being able to 
emotionally regulate. Yet you just said it like matter-of-factly as if we should all be operating under this, and yet we're not. Right. And they don't have they don't have the ability to. I mean, cognitively, I mean, the brain is not developed enough to be able to, you know, just 100% emotionally regulate. I mean, I know lots of adults who can't emotionally That's regulate. True. Well, right? I was just getting ready to say the same thing. I think a lot of it too is learned behavior. Like when you see empathy, now you can emulate empathy and that sort of thing. My husband is the first one to tell you he's very low on the EQ scale. And he knows this, but he grew up in a broken household. He did not have good role models. He pretty much raised himself. He's been on his own since he was 15. It wasn't until he was with me that I was like, hmm, I think we need to work on a few things. And like, I work with him and he's very open and receptive. Like he wants to be better at this. You know, I'm his fourth wife and he has no desire to ever lose me. And he has realized like where he was missing a lot of skills in his prior marriages. But he said to me this morning that his daughter, who's nine, she needs this topic. And he said, look, I don't have good EQ. Her mother certainly doesn't. They're both struggle with just socialization in general. They're both very antisocial people. And as a result, they have a nine-year-old who freaks out in settings with people she doesn't know can't carry on a conversation with people she doesn't know, breaks down and cries when she gets uncomfortable, has never been great at soothing herself. And it's something that I've tried to work on with her a little bit, but I'm a part-time bonus mom, so it's hard. So how do you go about making sure that the parents have the skills to teach their children? Do you think it starts with parents? It absolutely starts with the parents. And that's one reason that we can't we can't expect our children to do something that we ourselves don't do. So, you know, if I'm going to sit around, you know, the easiest example is, you know, electronics. You know, we see this all the time where parents, you know, you can't be on your phone, don't be on your phone at dinner, don't be on your phone when we're together. And then mom or dad is sitting on their phone through dinner. Why would they not be on their phone through dinner? Mm-hmm. Right. They copy what we do. Yeah, the whole saying of do as I say, not as I do. Yeah. But <laughs> right. That's They're not going to do what out. you do. <laughs> and there's a reason that we don't cuss in front of toddlers, right? Right. Because then when they drop a bomb later on, I mean, everybody knows where they got it. Exactly. <laughs> The one time I cursed in the house when Cal was three and he was upstairs and I dropped something heavy on my foot and I said the S word and then he's coming down the stairs just saying it. I'm like, how did he hear me? Then he like tried to say it for a week, but he was saying it wrong and I just ignored it and he finally quit. But yeah. (laughs) So it absolutely starts with, with the parents. And so it's really important if as adults we have our own, I mean, I challenge you really to find any adult that can't find something bad from their childhood, right? Whether they had not great parents or they were socioeconomically in the, you know, poor, they were raised poor or, I mean, we've all got, everybody's got it, but it doesn't have to hold you back. So a big piece of that is figuring out what are your triggers? What are your 
as an adult, what things impact you? I mean, as parents, all the time, we do the hard thing because we know it's right for our kids, right? I mean, I can't tell you how many people I know that have stopped smoking because they're having a baby or have decided to lose weight because they want to be able to get on the ground and play or they want to, I mean, we do the hard thing as a parent because it's what's best for our kids. This is just the emotional work. So, I mean, if you have a trauma history, if you have, you know, a mental health history, if you, if you have things that you're still holding on to from childhood, those hard things, then, then it's time to work on them. The cool part about emotional intelligence and, and, and one of the, maybe another thing that I want listeners to get out of this is that intelligence like IQ is, is pretty hardwired. You learn through education and, you know, you build on that, but all the research shows us that IQ is pretty hardwired. I mean, whatever your IQ is going to be is what it's going to be within a few points, right? EQ is not. So it can absolutely be built on and developed, upgraded at any point. I love that. that that's huge because the book Mindset, Carol Dweck talks about having a fixed mindset versus a growth mindset. And if you know that growth mindset, your EQ can improve you're ahead of the curve already. Yeah. As I say, can we back up, Joe? 12 years ago, I think, was when I first heard about EQ. Prior to that, I don't think I'd ever heard Your the emotional term. quotient, EQ. Break that down. What does that mean exactly? If somebody has never heard this before, break that down. So there's been a lot of, of research done on emotional intelligence or EQ, like Jen was just saying, over the years. Dr. Daniel Goleman is probably... He's written several books on it over the years. Um, he was a writer for several years, writing a psychology post for, I, I want to say for the New York Times, I believe is, but I could be wrong on that, but it, I think it was the New York Times. And so he he did a lot of research in this area. And what we've come to realize is that EQ is, it's really the way we handle emotions and how those emotions then allow us to connect with others. It's self-regulating combined with the social skills that come with self-regulating. And countless really, really big corporations and businesses actually now test EQ on new employees. They're realizing that how book smart you are doesn't indicate how good of an employee you'll be as much as EQ does. So if you can get along with others, you can take criticism well, you can take suggestions or criticism and grow from that and work with your team, that makes you a much more valuable employee to these big corporations than if you're just super smart. So true. That is so true. You know, as thinking about it from a classroom teacher perspective, and, you know, I worked with the gifted kids, and they were all there because they had the high IQ, <laughs> but they definitely varied in their EQ from child to child. And the smartest kid in the room might be over in the corner having a huge meltdown, could not regulate their emotional behavior. Right. Because you changed that we're going to do this instead of this first. Yep. yep. Right. Yes. Or yeah, they missed the problem they thought they should have gotten right. Right. My son has sensory processing disorder. So transitions for him Mm-hmm. were an issue. And it a lot of it comes down to that ability to self-regulate, like, oh, we're stopping this, we're moving to this. He would just get overstimulated by that, and that would be enough to have a full-blown breakdown. So, and that's an important piece of the emotional intelligence quotient is 
EQ issues can happen for any other subdiagnosis. So, I mean, if we have, you know, sensory processing or you have an anxiety disorder or you have autism or any of these things, yes, there may be more of an issue with emotional regulating. But again, a piece of EQ is understanding that's a problem for me, right? So if you realize with your son, he has a hard time with transitions, then you as a parent tried to figure out what are the things that we need to do to make the transitions less. And that's part of EQ. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Or even just like, okay, well, we need to allow more time for this so that, you know, he has time to process this information, come to terms with it and be ready to move on when it's time to move on. Right. And these are also the kids that often, we call it a 504 here in Texas, but it's basically a plan that you can have in the school, you know, if you have a disability, basically. And these are the kids that are allowed to wear headphones in classrooms, right? Because they're overstimulated by the sound or the kids that don't have to ask to be able to leave the room because they know if things are happening and I need to go and pace the hall for a minute, then I'm allowed to go pace the hall for a minute. It's interesting that you brought that up. You know, Jen and I plan these episodes weeks and months in advance, and there's no rhyme or reason to how they fall. But last week, we talked about mental health issues in children and um, suicide in children. And we talked a lot about these plans in the schools and and the ability for, you know, kids who are struggling in the classroom to, to have a plan in place where they can step out or go to the counselor's office or that sort of thing. And 504 is a universal term from okay. state to state. I wasn't sure. So, yep, yep, yep. And yep. it is. And that is a, a great something to ask for when parents know their child needs accommodations. And some school systems will pretend they don't have that or don't know what that is because they don't want to do it. <laughs> I give that speech all the time. I'm like, it's a right that you get and you may have to ask for it because they're not going to advertise it. Yes, they're not. They don't want to make accommodation. I mean, I say that, I'm laughing, but they do. I mean, there are teachers that definitely do. Some do and it, some don't. It's the school system because it's red tape and it's it's resources. It's more work. And it's more work. It's resources. But the teachers in the special education program are some of the most dedicated and amazing teachers I ever worked with because that's why they're in special education. So <laughs> they want to help your child. It's just if you can get through the district red tape, that's where the problem is. It's the district. <laughs> right. Yeah. And if you're listening to this and you're like, I don't have kids, this doesn't apply to me. I want you to just stop for a minute because what you're hearing today, you could run across a coworker at work who's got a child who's struggling, a neighbor you might be a grandparent one day. You just never know somebody at your church. You just never know what pieces of information you pick up along the way that one day down the road, you're going to be like, oh, hey, I know what you need. And you're going to have that information. Well, and while the Lavi books are written and, you know, geared towards I geared them, you know, the publisher, we chose to do it between ages four and eight, mostly because our research shows us that emotional intelligence really starts taking root around age four. I mean, not that we shouldn't be doing things prior to that, but that's where the research has really led us to believe is where things are starting as far as the emotional intelligent component goes. But so while this series is geared towards younger people, that doesn't mean that the, the theories and the suggestions can't be used by an adult who is having a hard time. I mean, the concepts are the same regardless of your age. They're just presented, you know, in pretty pink and purple forms, you know. Tell the listeners the, uh, like a, a brief synopsis of Lavi's Rainy Day. So Lavi's Rainy Day follows a little girl named Lavi. It's actually the first in a series 
actually the second in the series is my favorite, but I guess we'll talk about that when it comes out. But the <laughs> okay. first, it, so it's, it's geared towards teaching children emotional intelligence. And so what that means is Lavi in these books is faced with situations that are not necessarily pleasant. Like they've you know, rocked her little world a little bit. So in Lavi's rainy day, she's supposed to be going out for a trip with her mom for the day. They're going to have a fun day together. And when she wakes up in the morning, it's pouring rain. They can't go to the, they were supposed to be going to the park. And so they can't go to the park because it's pouring rain. And so her day gets thwarted. So, I mean, she's total change of plans. Through the book, what happens is the mom recognizes and helps Lavi verbalize her emotion, which is sadness. You know, she's sad that it's a rainy day and a little bit upset that she doesn't get to have her rainy day. I mean, it doesn't get to have her day at the park. So, and this is a key, one of the key characteristics for parents is in a young child, you have to help them name that emotion. We don't want to rescue our children from emotions and we don't want to completely ignore emotions because that does not teach emotional intelligence. So if I am super, super sad and I am just going to be rescued from that, then I don't get to understand sad and what that Excellent means. Excellent point. And if you're going to rescue me from it, you know, and these, these are the helicopter parents, right? The ones that fly into the school because, you know, Johnny got his folder signed for talking out and mom's going to go in in and and don't write him up anymore. You know, these are the moms that are going to make sure this doesn't happen again. Well, you know what? There's consequences. Johnny's talking in in class, (laughs) you know, I mean, there are consequences in life and we'll be, when we get to be adults and we're, you know, meeting with our boss your wife is not going to be able to come in and tell your boss, please don't do that. He, I mean, we would not, we wouldn't even think about that happening. (laughs) So one of the key features in this is that the mom helps Lavi identify the emotion. And then the mom asks a question. So this is a really important piece to developing emotional intelligence. Little side geek out for you here is that we can't have emotional brain and logical brain working at the same time. So they work off of a very similar pathway. And so you can go back and forth between the two very fast, but if you have asked logical brain to work, emotional brain goes on pause. And so when we ask our children a question Now, the answer may very quickly be, I don't know, and quickly go back into, you know, dysregulation. Right. But if we keep asking questions, eventually they will start answering a little bit more. So what the mom does in this book is she asks Lavi a question. So she owns that she has, you know, I know that today you're very sad because we can't go to the park. What possibly could be a gift in this rainy day? Now, Laffy does not like this because, you know, gifts are supposed to be birthday presents, right? They're toys. They're fun things that I unwrap. But the mom is challenging her to let's look at this a little bit differently. How can we look at this different? And so that is a theme through this entire book is the mom repeatedly helps Laffy come back to this question because we're trying to find out what could be good about this day. Yes, our day got changed, but what could be good? So then throughout the book, the mom does different things with Lavi. I mean, she continues with her own schedule through the day, doing the dishes and, you know, fixing lunch and doing stuff for a neighbor. And she, but she includes Lavi. 
So that's another piece of this. You know, this is not rescuing. This is different than the rescuing. This is continuing to show our children, yes, our day didn't work out, but we can still do other things. And so that's really the gist of Lavi's Rainy Day is that through the book, the mom helps Lavi recognize our day didn't go the way we wanted it to. We continued with our day anyway. What is this gift through the day? And then at the end, you know, spoiler alert, Lavi figures it out. Yeah. Yeah. Do you remember <laughs> that children's like, yes. book? Uh, what is it? Alexander's yes. Terrible, no Horrible, good. No Good, Very Bad no Day bad or whatever. Yes. So, yeah. So when it was raining, that's how Lavi felt. It's going to be a horrible, terrible, no good, yes. very, very bad. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and she has, there's one part in the book where she spills milk and she decides that it could not be any worse. I mean, it's a very overreactive, which is a typical kid, right? This is the worst day of my life ever, you know? I don't know how anything could get any worse. And in that moment, the mom is able to point out to her. So the cat comes and drinks the milk off the floor that Lavi has spilled. And the mom points out that Mia, the cat has found her blessing in this rainy day because basically she gets milk to which Lavi thinks that's funny and realizes, okay, yeah, wait, maybe this isn't like the end of the world. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, I've, we've all had those days. And I mean, even as adults, you'll hear people say, oh my gosh, I woke up and I woke up late and it set the tone for the whole day. And then, and then this went wrong and then that went wrong. And then I spilled my coffee and I missed my lunch. And we hear that in adults who their day starts off bad and they continue to have a bad day. And again, that's that mindset, right? So if we decide, I mean, there's something to be said for what we produce, you know, energetically in our days. You know, if you decide your day is bad, I can pretty much guarantee you it will be. Yeah. I've had a few days where a bunch of stuff will go wrong and my husband will be like, maybe you better just sit down and call it a day. And I'm like, oh no, this day is not going to win. <laughs> I'm taking this one by the horns, man. Yep. Yep. Flipping that script. It's going to be yeah. good. Right, right. So what kind of things do you see in your office? Like, is there something that you see predominantly in your office that you think is just kind of a sign of the times right now? Yeah. So that's actually what led to the writing of the Lavi books, because I was seeing a pattern over and over and over and over again in my office. And I'm like, we are missing. Because first of all, we don't generally take four or five, six-year-olds to therapy. The only time that we see that young of a child in therapy, generally like traditional, you know, talk therapy or play therapy, is if there's been like a loss, like a grief, you know, a parent has died or we've had a major loss of some sort or there's been an abuse or some, yeah, like a trauma of some sort. Occasionally, we'll see people, pediatricians are, are infamous for sending kids with ADHD, or, and therapy will not. I mean, I love therapy, so I am very much a pro therapy, but I challenge you to find me any six year old who's acting out in a classroom or having behavioral issues who gets to spend an hour in a new playroom with new toys with an adult by himself who's going to have those same behaviors in, in the therapy playroom. It's true. It, you're, you're not right. going to see it. No. And you also, ADHD is such a different thing. It's not like just control yourself, child. I mean, right. And so those are, but those are the only kids that we usually see at that age that are in therapy. However, that is the age where we need to start be developing these skills to emotionally regulate. So what I was beginning to see in my office, and again, this whole COVID pandemic really... 
I honestly thought that, you know, things would like slow down during COVID. I mean, I analyzed that wrong in the beginning because I thought for sure everybody's going to want to hunker down. I have not. So since March of 2020, I have not had a day that I have not sat at this desk. I mean, like literally I have been in person this entire time because I can't tell you how many, nobody wanted to switch to virtual. Like they all needed to be seen in person. I mean, I do see people virtually also, but I mean, and what I was beginning to see even prior to this, because actually the Lavi books, we started writing them. I started writing them pre-pandemic. It just took forever to get it published because of the pandemic, but which is a whole other topic. But oh, anyway, yeah, I talk about publishing all day and it does. Well, me too, because I'm like, I don't just don't know why it's all done electronically anyway. Why did that take longer? It's not like somebody's actually sitting at a table, but whatever. <laughs> so I was seeing all of these kids in here in the like 9, 10, 11, 12 range who are so emotionally dysregulated. So, I mean, these are kids who are having massive meltdowns as they're going to school, as they're going to sports, as the anxiety is so bad that they can't get out of the car in the morning, huge behavioral, you know, throwing desks and chairs and classrooms. And, and, you know, and these are not kids who've been diagnosed with something more serious earlier in life. I mean, these are just your typical preteens. And I'm like, these children do not know how to emotionally regulate. Because, I mean, these are the kids that, you know, I text my little friend and she doesn't respond in the first two minutes. And so I've decided that we're no longer friends. And all of a sudden, I've now decided that maybe she hates me and I need to get a hold of her really fast to make sure she doesn't hate me. And like this whole internal spiral thing begins to happen. In psychiatry, we call it the emotional twister because it's like a tornado that just picks up. It starts spinning and it picks up every emotion and thought in its path. And it's all and just it, of their own creation. Yes. They're just creating this whole fictional scenario. Yes. And is it causing real anxiety? Is that what you're seeing? Is this as a result of anxiety that's caused from not being able to emotionally self-regulate? Right. So, so you know, anxiety is one of those things that's complicated because it comes from so many different sources. I mean, anxiety is really the body's way of telling you something's not right. So it can come from maladaptive thought processing. So those are like grabbing the thoughts. I mean, it can come from reactions to food you're allergic to. I mean, like, I mean, it it can come from so many different things that it's hard to, unless I'm actually treating someone to be able to actually pinpoint what is driving this anxiety. I mean, often in kids, it's actually huge nutritional deficits that can drive it. We often see, especially kids who live off of pure carbohydrates, like that that aren't getting any protein. (laughs) virtually, I mean, we'll see it a lot. So, I mean, it's hard to say, but in these kids, they will present with severe anxiety. And I mean, it takes some teasing apart to figure out, is there an actual diagnosis here or is this just an inability to emotionally regulate? (laughs) And history will tell me a lot, right? So, I mean, if you've had a little person who's been profoundly anxious from the time they were two or three, you know, we had severe separation anxiety early, early in life. And then we had these new things, and this is the kid that can barely speak and they can't, that generally is more of a genetic chemical issue as opposed to a kid that was like perfectly fine. And, you know, now we're in middle school or, you know, fifth grade and having like massive meltdowns. (laughs) That often can be more of that emotional 
intelligence. So what does a parent do when they realize, okay, I think that, you know, my, my child needs to work on their emotional intelligence. And I think a lot of it these days, would you say, has been we've taught them to soothe with electronics. Instead, they're not learning any real coping mechanisms. It's those fake ones. Well, and not only that, so to Sherry's question earlier, have I seen something that's kind of a threat? It's 100% electronics. So we live in an instant gratification world now. So I don't have to have patience or boredom or anything because if I want to, I mean, Jenna, you, I mean, well, we're all about the same age. You'll remember when we were young, if we wanted to go to the movies, you called the movie theater and you sat on the phone and you listened through the entire paper. Yeah. Or you went to the newspaper, but you listened through all 12 shows. And if your best friend said something to you and you talked to her for her for a second and you missed the times, you got to listen to the whole thing again. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. Writing it down. Right. Right. But that's now everything is at their fingertips. And if you wanted to watch Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory, you better know it came on that one night or you were going to have to wait till right. next year. You had to watch it the Friday after Thanksgiving, or you were waiting until the Friday after Thanksgiving next year. Next year, yeah. <laughs> That's just so foreign, you know? <laughs> and when you went to the movie theater, you stood in line to buy your tickets. Right. You didn't get to digitally order them and just That's flash right. your phone to walk in and so or now whatever. now what happens, and it's if, if something bad happened at school, right? So you're on your period, and you end up with blood on the back of your skirt, and everybody saw it, and oh my God, you're so embarrassed. Nobody remembers by tomorrow because you all went home and nobody talked about it. And by the next day, there's some new drama. Now it gets to stay alive because 10 people took pictures of it and they all shared it on social media. And now everybody, now you have a nickname of Jen the Blood Monster or whatever. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) Yes. I mean, hey. I can see. Well, that would... This feeds this constant. So when I see a nine-year-old in here with a cell phone, I cringe. There is no reason a nine-year-old needs a cell phone. Now, children of divorced parents are different. Like if you want your child to have one so that you can contact mom, although I still maintain, why isn't dad just giving you his phone to call? I mean, that's what we did a long time ago before we had cell phones. But really young children are not emotionally mature enough for the input that they're getting through all of social media. Well, and I'd like to bring up just sort of another branch of that. When we were kids, we weren't inside the house on the couch glued to a screen. We were outside and we were running and playing and getting sunlight and endorphins. And I don't feel like these kids are getting that natural, like hormonal, fluctuations and they're not, you know, they're not using their bodies and they're not using their brains to figure out, you know, how do I build this fort? Right. They're not doing it. They're they're building like an electronic fort on an app instead. And it's not real. You know, I was at dinner the other night, Chad, and I went out to eat and there was a table with a mom and a dad and some kids and every kid was using an electronic device and the parents were looking at their phones and they were not talking to each other. I'm like, Back in the day, we would have been at the table learning to wait for your food. But instead, the kids are just electronically entertained. They each had a tablet. Yeah, I won't even let my family use phones. We are those people. So at restaurants, I'm like, we need a real menu because we're not allowed to take our phones out at the table. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know, I have long said, I have like very for years now been so annoyed 
by you drive down the interstate in the dark and all you see are glowing phones and DVD players and vehicles. And I like for the longest time, Avery has had not from us unlimited data on her tablet since she was like three years old. And the minute she gets in the car, she fires up her tablet and starts watching videos or cartoons or whatever. And not in my car. It doesn't happen in my car. We had to play the cow game when we were in the car. We had to count the cows that were down the side of the road for fun. Yeah, I'm just like, what happened to families talking to each other while they're in the car? And how was your day? And what did you learn? And what are you going to eat when we get here? Or, you know, what are you going to tell grandma when we get to grandma's house? Don't forget to tell her about this. But no, there's like no conversation happening there. My secretary has a baby. She's 11 months old and she's, we call her our emotional support baby because she's actually in the practice every day. So we have her here at the office every day. So some psychiatric offices have pets. We, we have Isla. But today she was looking at those grocery seat covers, you know, that like go in the grocery cart that you put the baby in. And we pulled up one as we were looking and it literally had a pouch to put your cell phone so that your infant could watch videos while you're grocery shopping. I was horrified. Mm. Yeah. Well, now I'm like really horrified and I hadn't even really thought about it as much. You know, my boys were just, cell phones were not something people had till they really got to middle school. So they they didn't have them in elementary school. And so we just missed all that. No, we did. Our kids are the same age. Mine are 19 and 23. So the youngest a little bit. 22 and 24. Yeah. So we kind of missed it too. Just like I barely did. I know. And I'm just, I'm so grateful. <laughs> I missed it because my, so I have a nephew who's almost eight and we have realized, I mean, his mom limits his electronics to the nth degree. He does have some focus issues. I mean, we figured it out. He's, he is adopted and we, we figured it out when he was very young. I mean, he's probably two or three and I'm like, we're going to have issues. We've got to, we're going to have to stay on top of this. I mean, his amount of TV is even limited drastically and we can tell a huge difference in his ability to emotionally regulate based on how much time he's had on electronics. And so, I mean, he doesn't get like video game time or tablet time. I'm just talking plain old TV. I mean, we even have to limit that. And when he started, kindergarten was via Zoom for him, which kindergarten and Zoom do not go together, FYI. And God bless his teacher. So she's teaching them to read and she didn't realize that she needed to turn the screen. So she's teaching them to read from right to left backwards because she didn't turn the, yeah. So that was a whole, God bless her. I mean, but again, you know, this is like. All my children are dyslexic. I don't know what it is. They all think B is. (laughs) Right. Anyway. So so she gets a call, you know, he's the sweetest thing ever, James. That's actually who Slavi's rainy day is dedicated to. And she's like, you know, he's the sweetest thing ever, but sometimes we have some focus issues. We cut the TV out, like no more TV during the week, she did, and boom, he's in the GT program. Wow. Like literally offered, tested, and now does the GT program, but we have to not let him have TV during the week. That's amazing. And so now I'm like, we got to do something about it. Really, it does seem like electronics are it's just- It's its own pandemic, really. It, it really yeah. is, and I could go on and on and on and on about it. 
I have a friend, Nick Cardanis, who wrote a book called Glow Kids. He actually has a new book that's coming out in September on the electronic global epidemic. Um, I think it comes out mid-September, if I remember correctly. But it's a huge, huge issue. But it plays into emotional intelligence because, you know, to Sherry's question earlier, that I think is one of the big driving points right now. And I think the problem for us as parents or as adults is that if we don't know how to emotionally regulate ourselves, we end up using electronics as our babysitters or as our way to not have to emotionally deal with our kids. Not that we don't love our kids, but if I am frustrated and irritated or I'm tired after a long day, it's way easier for me to have you just go watch your show. Yes. And not have to talk to you and deal with you. Yeah. Yeah, well, here's here's your iPad. Just sit and look at this. Instead, they were like pitching a fit in the restaurant. Now, at least they're not. So right. that's that's the problem. But as a problem, we haven't taught them how to sit in a restaurant. Right. 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 You know, they don't have the social graces. You know, so Dr. Goldman, I mean, he, Daniel Goldman, that kind of, you know, did the whole thing with emotional intelligence. I mean, he, he has kind of five main components of emotional intelligence. There's self-awareness. So it's understanding what are my emotions. Tools for managing those, right? So how do I manage it? You know, again, back to your example, Sherry, if I'm overwhelmed by loud, do I use headphones? What are my go-to things? The motivation to do something about it. So instead of just like curling into a ball and then letting everybody do everything for me, do I want to figure out how to do this? Most children do. I mean, they really do. They want to mean partially that's because they're in that stage of development where they want autonomy. Like they're, they're wanting to learn how to be independent. They want to be self-sufficient and take pride right. in that. We just have to give them the tools. And then the fourth one is empathy or learning how to read others. So that's my being able to look at you and name your emotion based on where you're at, you know, not just automatically. And that's a lot of what the second book is about is basically in the second book, Lavi is exposed to people who are saying things and are interacting and she thinks it all has to do with her. Right. She doesn't realize that you can have your emotions and that means that something's going on in your life. It has nothing to do with me. I can't tell you how often in here I say this to young teenagers. I'm just so worried that they're talking about me. And I'm like, I don't mean this to sound mean, but your friends don't care about you enough to be talking about you all the time. My husband used to tell me when I first met him, because I used to worry a lot about what people thought. Right. And I have let that go so much. And he would say, hey, not everything's about you. People don't They're care about, about themselves. You. They're not thinking about you. Right. They're worried about themselves. Everybody is in their own internal world. They're really not thinking about whether your genes look good on you or not. That's true. That's true. That <laughs> yep. is so true. Well, we are almost out of time. So what would you like to leave listeners with? You know, again, like Sherry said, it might be someone who doesn't have their own children, but Maybe they've got nephews and nieces, and what what can we do? So I think that if you, as an adult or at any age, if you notice that you have very big emotions that make you feel out of control, so you feel out of control because you're so sad or you're so worried or you're so mad or anything that makes you feel out of control, then you're having a hard time emotionally regulating. Because again, emotions are, are temporary. You will not find anybody who has gone into sad and stayed there for the rest of their life. Right. Or gone into mad and stayed there for the rest of their life. So we need to start working on 
regulating that. So that for an adult looks like, you know, maybe you need to seek some therapy if there's like trauma in your past or something that you just haven't really worked through. Maybe you need to seek traditional psychotherapy. Perhaps it's just taking time to breathe and really just kind of reground yourself and and figure out, is this really that big of a deal? You know, that's another question that I often have parents ask kids and that you can ask yourself, is this emotion and this thing that I'm worried about right now going to bother me one year from today? Because if it's going to bother you one year from today, then it probably is kind of a big thing that we maybe do need to look at more in depth. Chances are that the barista got your name wrong is you're not even going to remember next week, much less next year. And if so, if you're very attached to an emotion that is just playing itself out over and over again, explore where is that really coming from? I mean, what is that really about. So I think that would be my challenge. And then for parents, it's be present. How can people connect with you and find your books? So Lavi's Rainy Day is available on all the book, big book, you know, Barnes and Noble, Target, Amazon, all the, the places that books are sold. If they're interested in the practice, they can find me at wlpsychiatry.com. That's our practice here in Texas. And yeah, so I think that's that's where you can find us. Well, thank, thank you, you so, so much. much for joining us. All right. Thank you. Before we get to the listener-led lesson this week, I want to take a minute to invite you to the Life Lessons VIB community on Circle. You might have heard me mention that we know Kim Tubbs from Life Lessons VIP group, and we'd already chatted with her. I'd already chatted with her before. So if you want to join us in the VIP community, it's a social media community, just like really any social media community, other than it's ad-free. Nobody's tracking your data or usage. It's a private community that you are a member of, and you can just log in and connect with other members and get to know some other people. And then once a month, I host a monthly video chat where we just hang out and connect and talk, and uh, we talk about all sorts of things. The Membership tiers are either $4.99 or $9.99 a month. We wanted to make a tier that helps support the podcast, but also would appeal to any listener's budget. So we just hope that you would choose the option that feels like the right value to you. You can go to lifelessonscommunity.com forward slash VIP. And there it will take you to the sign up link and you can kind of see a little bit more about it. And uh, we hope to see you there. We'd like to keep bringing you many, many more podcast episodes. And by supporting us in this way, it does help us pay for the costs associated with producing the episodes. And I just checked, and we are still not quite at the level where the VIP community is supporting the production costs of the podcast. We're just not quite there yet. We're closer. So <laughs> we're just really just a few members away from that being true. So I just wanted to pop that out there. It really makes a huge difference. So now it's time for our listener-led lesson. It could be a life hack, a book recommendation, a special recipe, a kitchen tip, or anything along those lines. Today's listener-led lesson comes from Angela. She said, I work in a fast-paced environment where I really never know if I'm going to get to eat or if my break will be interrupted. Prior to that, I grew up in a home with nine people. So if you don't eat quickly, you might not get seconds of something and go to bed hungry. As a result, I am a super fast eater. People comment on it constantly. When I go out to eat, it's kind of embarrassing as I'm done eating and the rest of the table still has full plates. 
My husband and I traveled in Asia in the spring, and I adopted a new habit while we were there. I taught myself to eat with chopsticks. It was messy and a slow and tedious process, but what I learned was that I enjoy my food so much more because I'm not shoveling it in, and it requires a bit of time and finesse. I have a pair that came in a travel pouch that I carry in my purse and a set at home. Now I sit down and eat my meals with my chopsticks, and I've gotten really good at it. Sure, sometimes chopsticks aren't required, but you'll still catch me scarfing down pizza and a burger, but I am more mindful of chewing and tasting my food now, and here's a fun one. If you want something like chips or popcorn, eat it with chopsticks, and you'll eat a lot less of it than if you were grabbing it by the handful. That is such a good tip from Angela. That is a good tip. And I really, don't do tedious please. things well. Yeah. So I don't know if I would give up, but I also like a good challenge. So, but I was eating a few M&Ms the other day and I was like, you certainly would eat a lot less M&Ms with a chopstick. And then I was Versus like, like a handful. you even pick up an M&M with a chopstick? You could do it. They're yeah. kind of, sh- they're kind of slick. <laughs> I feel like you could once you develop those dexterity skills, but yeah. I love that idea because I think a lot of people, maybe not for the same reasons that Angela were, was describing, but I think a lot of people may just eat too quickly to really register whether they're full or not. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And this would, would make a difference there. I'm a fast eater. And I think it's probably a lot to do with kind of what she said. Like, there really wasn't a lot of food growing up. So if you didn't get it before other people, it was gone. And, you know, working in healthcare, same thing. You had to be in a hurry. I don't know if I'm going to have 10 minutes to eat or 30 minutes to eat. So just get it in. Teachers, we had 30. Like Georgia, one thing about Georgia is we had 30 minutes, duty-free lunch. I mean, of course, by the time you took your kids to the cafeteria and then came back to where you were going to eat, of course, then I was fasting. So it didn't even matter. But in my early years in South Carolina, we had to eat with the kids. But that was also, we had 30 minutes. So I think 30 minutes, I can, I'm like trained for that. You're trained for that. Yeah. 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 That's a good time frame. At the end of each show, we share a motivational quote from a listener. And today's quote comes from Jane. She said, I recently saw this quote for the first time. Then I shared it on my Facebook page. And I guess I'm really behind because all of my friends knew it before me. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> <laughs> the quote is, I love this quote, by the way. Be who you are and say what you feel because those who mind don't matter and those who matter don't mind by the children's author, Dr. Seuss. I love Dr. Seuss. Yes. She said, I was a member of a church for a very long time before I finally divorced my husband due to longstanding infidelity. I just couldn't take it anymore and I knew I was the laughingstock of the town. But after I divorced my now ex-husband, suddenly I was not welcome at my church. I mean, they didn't kick me out, but it was clear I wasn't welcome, and I was being talked about right in front of my nose. I had considered these women my family, and I would have done anything for any of them. But when I needed a friend, they turned their backs on me. I had to find my own way, and I did, and I'm better for it. This quote reminded me of my journey. The people who were bothered by my divorce didn't matter because they showed me they weren't my friends. The people who were in my corner, no matter what, they didn't judge me for my choice. If you worry about what people are thinking, they will show you very soon whether or not it's even worth worrying about them. The people who love you don't judge you. I love that. Jane, thank you for sharing that. And I'm sure that was definitely something that some people needed to hear today. Yes. 
So listeners, thank you so much for joining us. Don't forget to join us in the new Life Lessons VIP community. Go to lifelessonscommunity.com slash VIP to be a VIP podcast supporter for either $4.99 or $9.99 a month. Your support really does ensure that we can keep bringing you episodes of the Life Lessons podcast each week. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast, and we would love for you to leave a review if you're on iTunes or if you're on, what is it, Spotify that also has reviews, Sherry? Uh Uh-huh, Spotify does reviews. It helps us reach others. Do you have a story to share for our good news segment, a listener-led lesson, or a motivational quote that means something to you? Definitely, we need those. Or do you have an area of expertise that you would like to share as our featured guest for the week as we present our weekly life lesson? Email us at connect at lifelessonscommunity.com and then listen each week to see if we share your story or tip. And I'm going to butt in. Go ahead. (laughs) If you look at show notes, there are two links in show notes every single week where you can either email us or fill out a form that we have that's really easy to fill out. To submit them that way. Yep. Submit your listener-led lesson or your quote or your good news story. That's even easier than email. Right in show notes, you don't even have to remember our email. Awesome. Well, until next week, thanks for listening. Bye. Bye.